Welcome, everybody, to yet another Welcome episode back. of Work Stoppage. This is the eighth one. Uh, so Thanks. I think after this one, if you got your holes punched every time you came in, you can get a free episode of the podcast and a free sub. Yeah, actually, no, we do. We actually haven't implemented that, but as soon as we get our contract ratified, I'm pretty sure it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're going to have the highest quality subs. This It's going to be the first food that you can eat by downloading an audio file, folks. Earth-shattering technology. Yeah, this is what happens when we uh, start abolishing work that's unnecessary and we start solving the real problems, which is... That's right. Sandwiches not being able to be delivered via audio medium. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I should be able to torrent my food. I, if you don't understand that, then I just don't even have the words to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> read a book and get back to me. Yes. Well, welcome, uh, John, and I'm Lena. You That's know, right. Thanks. Thanks for being with both of us here. Um, we are excited to do our little thing. We got uh, our our follow up. We were looking at some of those stories, and there wasn't a ton of follow up on some of the ones that we covered. And so we decided we would check in on some police unions. Yeah, you and, know, just an um, easy enemy to pick up a couple things about. And you might be surprised if you go to Google you, and you look up police true. union and you hit the news tab. There's like four or five big articles from every day from the past week. Yeah, no, they're they're really out there being absolute criminals all the time. Uh, one of the things that uh, we pulled up was a Seattle union being very upset with uh, the mayor for denying like Trump's police like increases. Yeah. This was like a Fox News article, so I don't even trust any of the shit that was mentioned in it. But they kept insinuating that the the mayor of Seattle, um, Jenny Durkin, was refusing some kind of law enforcement aid sent by President Trump and saying things like uh, that she thinks that police decisions should be made by the Seattle police chief and not by the president, which like... I don't even care to weigh in on that. This is all just weird internecine bickering. Uh, but they're also, she said something like Trump is using Seattle as a dry run for martial law. And that rubbed the, the police union the wrong way. So they had <laughs> to send a nasty letter and get an article in Fox written up about it and all that fucking bullshit. Yeah. Right. Well, they're really just getting ridiculed for not liking, like, being supportive of black bagging protesters. Yeah. Like, that's, that's really, they just want, they want, like, impunity to go out there and do a fascism. That's what the cops want. This that's police right. state is not strong enough, according to them. I mean, like, there's a reason why the largest Florida police union backs President Trump. That's who, right. Because they're, they're, they said they're tired of being a punching bag. <laughs> now, I didn't, I literally screen capped this this title um and did not include any information in the article because clearly like whoever said this has has some sort of like capitalist police state brainworms that i am like I, we, we've talked about this before there's a reason why police unions should not and this is not the cops actually this is not cops saying this. Maybe this is former cops, right. but these are the police unions. They are out there saying that we need to be supporting Trump. We need to be uh, being tougher on protesters and and just like absolute just worst takes um, out there. People are fighting to have better, like a, a country that isn't fascist. Right. And, and police unions are saying, no, no, no. These are these are these are like 
these police are in danger now because they can't um, arrest people with impunity. What is this? I think that the third one that I have covering here is in uh, Montgomery County, Washington. Uh, the police union is, ex- is expressing concerns over a sweeping reform bill. What does this bill do? I don't know, Lena. What does this bill do? Oh, yeah. I was, I was hoping that you... <laughs> anyway, uh, so basically, uh, it just stops cops from profiling people. Oh, they, you, yeah. they can't just They can't just arrest whoever matches a description. Like, uh, yeah, there's a, uh, a black guy in a hoodie. Right. Oh, well, you know, let's arrest every single person within, yeah. you know, this amount of space. It's really, like, that's the whole point of a bill like this. And they're like, well, this is going to stop us from actually making arrests of real, of real criminals. We're not going to be able to get anything done. They're full of shit. They yeah, don't well, do anything anyway. It's like made up bullshit, right? They're supposed to be like, oh yeah, this is so that if a bank robber has a distinctive mole on the back of his hand and someone gives us that to us in the description, now we can't stop guys with the suspicious mole on the back of their hand carrying a brief case full of money and it's like you know that's not ever going to be the situation (laughs) this is fucking applied in it's literally just going to be so you can mix non-white people up with one another in your mind and go around arresting whoever you want on a racist arresting spree yeah so uh once again fuck police unions i don't even think we need to stick on this too much we can we we just needed to do a follow-up on something we just want to say fuck police well speaking of stuff that we don't need to follow up on too much i think we need to talk about major league baseball something i don't understand and have never given a shit about but it's experiencing labor turmoil at the moment folks so for a brief moment in time i'm the world's biggest baseball fan right (laughs) um i'm still yeah i'm still learning about this myself i'm not much uh in the in the following of sports i've seen a couple different uh industries have issues i know that there there was like a softball league that was um being used by the owner of the league to like show trump support and they like walked off or something like that there's like a couple like cool things that have been going on in labor and sports i'm i'm trying to keep up with it but i i struggle a little bit and um what we're looking at here is um, kind of a, them looking forward to the 2021 collective bargaining session mm-hmm. uh, in relation to COVID and how, like, when the season is starting and whether or not there's going to be, like, a, they're, like, actually predicting a work stoppage yeah. of, of these baseball people, which hasn't happened since 1994. Or was that a lockout? I, I know that I was reading some stuff, and I, I'm getting... Um, kind of mixed things. We actually, that's the one thing we have not talked about is what lockouts are. And I, yep. it, we, but I don't know if that's what we're going to get to today. Probably won't get into it today. I think it was a strike back then as well. I think as far right. as I understand, baseball players are pretty well unionized and have some pretty good protections in place, which makes sense. Uh, I mean, they, they are very high earning workers. Um, they're probably some of the best paid people who you can still reasonably call workers in the world would be professional athletes. Um, well, at least major league baseball. I know that there is some minor league baseball issues where people do struggle yeah. uh, with how much they're getting paid and how much they're required to, to travel. I don't know if that's still a thing, but yeah, I'm not um, sure. I'm not a big sports uh, person, but it seems like a big part of this was also that there was a long standing tension within the industry about how free agent contracts should work because it was saying in the article, like, as recently as a few years ago, some of the biggest name free agent pitchers, which is like, you know, a a very important position in baseball. I have to assume again, I don't know anything about baseball, but I assume the guy in the middle of the diamond is pretty important, um, who throws the ball and they weren't even getting signed until halfway through the season was over, 
which is just like, if you're industry is that inefficient there are clearly glaring structural problems that need to be addressed right so basically you're saying that they would get worse contracts because they wouldn't be doing a full season right and uh so their labor was kind of being exploited in that way they were sitting there waiting for some sort of like am i gonna get hired am i not right and uh and once they feel like oh well you've shown okay prowess we'll we'll put you on the bench uh then like but you know it's only halfway through the season so how about a third of the pay right well i just think that it's also maybe indicative of the fact that baseball just isn't as popular as it used to be like i don't know for sure but i feel like baseball's popularity has been pretty steadily in decline for a long time now and you know that the team owners and the team administrators and the shareholders and everybody are not going to accept a decrease in the amount of money that goes into their pockets and so right. the, the the crazy logic of their minds is that like oh the only thing we can do now is make it harder for players offer new players you know worse deals and like I, you know, baseball players are not my first priority. Uh, they already make a very professional ones in the major leagues anyway, make a lot of money compared to what other workers make. But, you know, if, if it sets a legal precedent or if it's just like, you know, there, it's, it's a public facing entity. If your unions really make big gains in baseball, it, declining in popularity, though it may be, it might actually like popularize the idea that unions are worthwhile, you know, to a lot of Americans. Yeah, I think that a lot of people don't know that almost every single major sports team, uh, regardless of whether it's baseball, football, um, I'm pretty sure even hockey, they, they've got unions. Those players are yep. all in a union. Um, and like these are people that you're watching, that like, lots of people are constantly watching. These are literally union workers out there on spectacle all the time. And part of the reason that they actually do get paid so well is because they have that leverage. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, a lot I of guys mean, stand around and like gawk at each other. They're like, "Did you hear how many millions or billions so and so got uh, got offered to play as a linebacker or whatever?" For so I don't know anything about sports, but the guys, old dudes, will stand around and be like, "Oh yeah, sixteen million dollar contract. Oh yeah, thirty five million dollar contract." Those contracts exist because of unions. So like if you're yeah. looking for a real easy way to radicalize somebody who might not be all that receptive to like labor talk, maybe sports is a good in. Yeah. And I think that maybe it's, that should be a good lesson for us is that maybe we should like at least learn a little bit more about these unions and uh, come back to this at another point. We'll make sure to put this in a good follow up. Um, yeah. Get some, get some information about this so that like, at least like you'll be able, to, especially cause I know that like, just cause we're not super into sports doesn't mean that you're not like the listener isn't into sports and like we probably should, uh, should at least do a little bit of, of more work. Yeah. I mean like uh, the, the Psychic Dolphin Garage folks are pretty good about no yeah. are really knowledgeable about sports. Maybe we'll have them on some time to educate. Yeah, us. let's get the yeah, we'll do that. All right. Well then I guess with that we'll probably just save that conversation <laughs> yeah. for then. We'll probably just table uh, that because uh as we said, we are not experts on this kind of thing. And if I was gonna study labor relations in sports, I would pick a cooler sport like hockey, shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So you uh, brought to my attention this um, scam yeah. that was being run by uh, const- was it a construction company? It's a contracting company. They primarily do masonry work and concrete work. It's called Navalis, okay. based out of New York City. It's one of the biggest ones in the city. It might be the biggest. I'm not sure. Um, and they have worked on fucking the 9-11 memorial and museum, uh, SL Greens, one Vanderbilt, whatever the hell that is, Brookfield, just a bunch of like really fancy places in and around Manhattan. Uh, right. And so over the course of, from 2011 to 2017, uh, it allegedly, allegedly, Donald O'Sullivan, the CEO, and his sister Helen O'Sullivan were arrested for allegedly scheming to avoid making payments to the Union Benefits Fund for six years. And this comes on the heels of them having another high-profile dispute with the union that resulted in a legal case during which they filed bankruptcy. So there's just a pattern here of like them really pulling out all the stops, like all the crazy capitalist things you can try and do to avoid paying workers the money and the benefits that they're contractually obligated. So the long and short of what they did was they created a shell company owned by the CEO's brother, I believe, uh, that they claimed their union employees were actually working for while they, while that work was getting done. So they would take a contract, they would send their employees out to it, and then they would say that they contracted this other company to do it who was not beholden to the same kind of union agreements, and then they would pay their... they still own that company. But they own that company, or it's directly related to them, and then they pay their own union employees through the contracted company that is not union, and in doing so, somehow, through some way that the paperwork is done or something, they managed to avoid disclosing the number of hours that these union workers were working and how much they were being paid out for six years, amounting to what looks like uh, upwards of a million dollars. In some estimates, goes right. high seven million. Right. So this is over six years. And I mean, like there is a lot of, of money that goes in and out of these particular projects. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this could literally be them skimming cents off everyone's paycheck. This is, this could actually be like really similar to the way that wage theft works Yep. in that they just try to do something that's kind of negligible over such a large amount of um, like cases. Like remember like office space when they were like, (laughs) oh, we're going to take a couple pennies out of every single transaction. Right. Or like when a when a transaction rounds to a certain decimal place, we'll take the yeah. remainder, um, which adds up to like millions over time. And uh, so, like, basically, this can happen over like so many transactions that like I don't I don't know exactly how this scam works because just generally how scams are they're they're kind of like difficult to pick up. I mean, clearly this was happening over a large period of time. Yes. So the exact way that it's done had to have gone under the radar in some regards. And so I think that the over millions of different interactions or or transactions makes a bit of sense. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like it's a, you know, it's a, it's a biweekly paycheck for a lot of people. It's like every two weeks you have to pay out however many hundreds of employees you have. And then if X number of them are union, then you also have to pay their union benefits and do all of your upkeep on that. And I think they were just trying to be like, look, if we just 
scam our way out of being held responsible for these union benefits, we can pocket a million dollars over the course of five years or probably a lot more. And they were like, yeah, let's absolutely do it. And then in unusual form, it seems like they actually got caught and got arrested for this, which I, my eyes are wide. I can't even believe it. And it seems that it caught them off guard too, especially their attorney uh, who called the indictment a civil case dressed up in other garb, which doesn't make any sense. It's obviously a criminal case. He said the allegations were false and he expects full vindication at a jury trial. And then he continued by saying something that truly made my blood boil. It's pretty sad when the government decides to act as a collection agency for these unscrupulous unions, which is like, (laughs) dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. So this is, I mean, there are definitely some issues with unions. We are, we we can acknowledge it. There's definitely some issues now, but if you ever look at like labor in general, the government almost always sides on the side of capital. That's right. It is like the real reason why the NLRA even exists is because workers were fed up with the government always siding with capital and the laws always siding with capital. Cause like that's what they will consistently do. Right. There's no way that, that, that these unions can be unscrupulous in a, in a way that is worse than a, a corporation possibly is. I mean, um, one of the things that, um, that I thought was really important to point out here is how many unions were defrauded. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it, it was a bunch of them. It was the New York City District Council of Carpenters, Cement Masons, Mason Tenders, International Brotherhood of Teamsters, 282, Cement and Concrete Workers District Council, Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers, Local Union Number 1, and the Pointers, Cleaners, and Caulkers. That's a lot. I mean, that's like fucking 26 trade disciplines that just got listed between those like six or seven unions. So this is a lot of people in a lot of different fields who were getting shorted on their benefits. So again, I think this this goes back to talking about uh, nickel and diming people. All right. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, I was I think that um, if it is really only seven million over the over like 10 or 20 different unions, 10 or 15 different unions then like clearly like this was this was done systematically over a ton of tiny little transactions over and trying to scam a bunch of different unions yeah that's totally wild well i don't know this i i feel like we're we'll actually probably get to do a follow-up on this because these people have been arrested so uh we're gonna get to uh follow up on this a little bit more and uh maybe get a couple more details but uh i think that we should talk a little bit about, I don't know, people's like, something that affects like a lot of people. Yeah. And well, that's going to be schools and and teachers. And right now we have a little bit of good news. Yeah. And that's the, the AFT, the American Federation of Teachers, uh, which is the second largest uh, teachers union in the United States has officially like like had a general authorization of, of a strike like basically if you are a teacher in the aft they said you can strike because these conditions that are that you're about to be forced into are worthy of striking yeah which is awesome and it's so rare that you see a national like labor organization just give their like local teachers and teachers groups and, and union sub organizations just blanket permission they're like if you need to strike you have our blessing. Go ahead and strike. Like that's 
fucking amazing. And that's the kind of thing that like, if you get a few major industries doing that, like, uh, I know I'm a broken record, but like if you got the teachers and the nurses and like a couple teamsters and maybe a couple of other big groups doing that, you could have a general strike on your hands in a very organic way in inside of a few months. Yeah. I think like, um, and I don't know if they would really describe this as like an open invitation to to strike, but I think that it should be treated that way because yeah. really that's one of the things that I think a lot of other stronger unions in other countries kind of um, have when you're like the transit workers go on strike, then a bunch of other work industries go on strike, yep. and and that really puts the the bosses like at uh, like at a disadvantage they're like terrified they're like oh god it's getting towards the holiday season we can't have the transit workers go on strike because everybody needs to go on holiday or whatever and uh and and i think that just like this open invitation to strike is really important i love to see wildcat strikes i love it when people are out there like not giving a fuck about whether or not the union says yeah this is a good time that's awesome but also when the union says like hey 1.7 million school employees might strike like that's some labor power right and that and and you really love to see it and like, especially because we're talking again about like people being sent to their deaths yeah and like a lot of these teachers you know are old enough teaching is like a lifetime profession that if you catch covid and you're like a 55 year old school teacher you have a very very good chance of dying and uh in a classroom full of children is one of the best ways to catch an infectious disease and covid is like one of the most infectious viruses we've ever seen um so to think that there's anything safe about putting a room full of children together at all, much less several times a day in several different configurations over the course of the school day. I just, I can't even imagine who in their right mind would do that. And you have groups like the Chicago Teachers Union is, uh, it says it has clashed with the city over its school reopening plan and isn't ruling out a work stoppage. The Boston Teachers Union, nurses represented by the Boston Teachers Union are planning a sit-in at City Hall over the city's reopening plan. They want rapid testing. They want uh, more spacing in schools, more protective equipment. Columbus City Schools in Ohio, uh, about 2,700 educators previously signed a letter calling on leaders to start the fall term online with the union arguing that the stakes are too high for experiments. I mean, this is all across the country. That's exactly what I've been like I've been saying and I, I know that everybody's been saying this is that yes the stakes are too high for experiments. These the bills that are actually being put through the through um the federal government right now are conditional on being open for in-person classes only in a lot of cases. Yeah. Like what the fuck it, like I don't understand why you're like well I need you to put your life on the line or you get nothing. Well here's the thing. Like, we need to so like this, the teachers are like forming like a vanguard of the labor front by doing this for us because the teachers are like yeah. the keystone, the linchpin that holds all of this together. If the teachers don't go back to work, the schools don't open. If the schools don't open, the kids stay at home and the parents can't go back to work even if you know their job needs them to come back. And the only thing that these people care about it's not lives. It's not anybody's well-being or safety. It's literally just mo- getting the economy moving again line so they can up. go back. Yeah, make the big line go up. Please, for the love of God, the cult of the big line is begging you. It needs to go up. And that's it. 
That's what that's the altar they're sacrificing all of us on. School children, school teachers, essential workers, non-essential workers, anybody, anybody and everybody, just like thrown into the fire. See if you burn. Yeah, I I mean like, whew, all right, yeah, no, I mean like, I'm I hate this and I hate capitalism. <laughs> yeah, I hate I just, so much. Well, like p- fucking Betsy DeVos, West, the bane of West Michigan and the world was f- literally. We've known about her like most of our lives because school of yeah. choice was something that was pushed so hard where where we were. Yeah, uh, and charter and, schools like, and and uh, yeah. religious private schools and all just every kind of psycho shit you can imagine in terms of education. We were very lucky to go to a fairly good public school, but <laughs> the West Michigan is a barren wasteland of education thanks to Betsy DeVos. And she was saying that she wants to send school children back because only 0.02% of them will die, which is still something like 14,000 children. That's a, that's a a genocide or whatever you call it when you kill a bunch of kids. I don't even know if there's a word for that. Yeah. I think that there's maybe even a stronger term. Yeah. It's like a children genocide. Yeah. Like like, mass infanticide or something like that or mass. I don't don't have, yeah, I don't have a phrase for it, but it's horrific. This is something that I was talking about before, um, before we were on, um, Mike or well, before we were recording and it does relate to something later, but like when we were talking about the Allen brothers plant and they had that, the one worker who died because of COVID, I'm like, those bosses are, should be charged with manslaughter. Yeah. At least, at least negligent manslaughter without a doubt, probably something much yeah. more severe. Right. And, uh, and I think that that's one of the things that uh, the government is trying to do. They're actually taking time to basically give outs to administration to these, like, give them, um, what do you call it, where they're not responsible. Oh, like pl- plausible deniability? <laughs> uh, no, no, like literally protection. Like, oh, like, yeah. Oh, like, like they have, some like, kind of insulation or shielding from accountability. Yeah. 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 Uh, and that's that's what they want to do. They want to pass that before they want to hold anyone accountable because they like they just want to keep people out there in the economy keep people uh at work making it so that parents have to go to work and they're because their kids are at school they can't leave their kids at home Mm -hmm. uh and i the whole thing is just like in a a giant amalgamation that that does basically equal genocide yeah in a lot of well and it's not just the kids too like if you think okay 14,000 children would potentially die. How many cases of COVID is that if all of these children only have a 0.02% chance of dying? That's like millions and millions of cases of COVID. And children are not hygienic. Children are not good at wearing their mask and washing their hands and doing the whole routine, not by and large. So it's like, how many grandparents, how many aunts and uncles, how many parents is that going to spread to? Yeah, I mean, every single child is a vector. Everybody's, yeah. If they reopen the schools, everybody's getting sick. There is no way to stop it at that point. Right. They said, I mean, they, the CDC said we were beyond containment before they, like, before we go back to school. Yeah. So if we're beyond containment before we go back to school, we're actually just throwing gasoline on a fire. Yes, that's exactly, I mean, yes, that's exactly what it is. It's It's more like pouring thermite on a fire and lighting it with a magnesium strip. But yeah, essentially the same thing. <laughs> What's worse? Can we think of a bigger explosion? Yeah, what would make a bigger, nastier? It's like dumping napalm all over a fire and then throwing a brick of C4 in there and just, just watching it go. 
I mean, yeah, like there, is... it's like saying like, oh, the country's on fire. We may as well just nuke it. That's basically what you're doing. It's if you reopen schools, is you're nuking your own country. I just like imagine like there's so it's it's like a grease fire and these rich people are like oh no I need to put water on it and everybody's like no you don't put water on a grease fire they're like I don't know you put water on a fire and there's <laughs> yeah except that at this point I can only imagine that they already know that water is going to fix it. it they're just burning the country down for the insurance money at this point like that's yeah. the only way I can conceive of it. They're just like they're they're looking at yeah they're looking at their insurance policy and they're saying well whoopsies I guess this is this is just it's just too bad that I didn't know I I have impunity from this right well that's the other thing is it's like just members of the ruling class granting each other impunity granting each other protections from the consequences of their actions and saying like oh you know yes our administration led to x number of deaths but we didn't mean to and it was simply a a bureaucratic thing we may have moved too slow just like all of this bullshit when it's so obvious slipped and killed a million people yeah oh my god that's (laughs) literally what it is it's like whoopsie a banana peel I just killed a million Americans like it's just so fucking wildly unacceptable and then you see like they want to they want to paint other countries like they're doing so bad with COVID there's a headline going around that was like uh, Cuba relaxes their COVID protections and it rebounds slightly and I looked at the data and it was like they had nine (laughs) new cases in a day and then I was like I wonder how many cases Allegheny County Pennsylvania had in a day and I looked it up 240 and (laughs) Yeah, it's it's just it's truly ridiculous, especially when Cuba has 10 times as many people as Allegheny County for anybody anywhere in the U.S. to be like, oh, Cuba isn't handling this well. Oh, this is China's fault. Like, this is nobody's well, fucking I mean, fault. That's but a our classic own. media narrative. I mean, it's just it's just Red Scare. That that That's what yeah, that is. That's exactly what that is. Well, and because everything is escalating towards uh, another conflict with China. Right. That's what everybody wants. Like fucking. Uh, Israel has been bombing hospitals in Iran, trying to provoke a confrontation with Iran before Donald Trump gets out of office. And if we have a confrontation with Iran and plus our economic, uh, tension with China and China's economic allyship with Iran, yeah, (laughs) the, the world is going to become split into two economic spheres again. And guess what? Ours is going to be smaller and less powerful. So (laughs) I just don't know what to tell anybody about that. Yeah, and I don't want to get like way too far off topic because there is. I'm actually looking at um, the notes that we have here on this particular one, and it's um, about um, Weingarten, which um, is a is a leader in the in the union. Right. Uh, said that teachers want to reopen schools. Children need in person instruction, and adding. Uh, that remote instruction is no sub- or adding adding remote instruction is no substitute for in person instruction. But she said the teachers need to know that there'll be they'll be kept safe. I this is an example of someone who's full of shit. Like I <laughs> I, I, I will not accept that. Teachers do not want to go back to school. No, not even close. I mean, like I get it. There are they want to get paid. There. They want they, they want to not starve. They want to make sure that the kids get a good education. Yeah. They do not want to put people's lives at risk. Well, and that's the that's, thing. That's like bullshit. It's kind of weaselly to do the thing where it's like children need in person instruction because it's like yes, in person instruction is leagues better than any other kind of instruction. But at this point, it's just like it's. <laughs> 
it's just not an option anymore. Like, I don't care if teachers, quote unquote, want schools to reopen. I, quote unquote, want to be able to go out to a bar and just get smashed at a place that's not my own living room. But I simply don't because it is not an acceptable course of action at this point. Yeah. Oh, Randy Weingarten. Um, and who is the, oh, yeah. So the president of AFT. Okay. So yeah, Randy Weingarten, the president of the AFT. Um, and I don't know if this is the same person who is one of the people who voted against having Medicare for all in the Democratic Party platform, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean, like, this this is this is when people talk about like when when union leaders suck. Like this is an example. Yeah, when you're a fucking careerist and all you care about is like protecting your position and and your your paycheck or whatever your stipend. Right. They treat they, they're treating a union like a business, not like a not like an actual institution that's designed to protect workers and actually move to like to create like means of solidarity and improve conditions for all people. Yeah. Like they, like unions are not designed to be a business. Yeah, and that's this is like, like the whole reason why dues even exist is because originally when people were organizing, they're like, "We want more people to have unions. We need to be able to like pay people to go out and do this work." They didn't like the, dues were not made up out of thin air by some like union boss who said, "Oh, I bet I could get money from these people." No, it was literally so that the workers had protection and they had ways of going out and getting more people organized. Yeah, but like, wherever that is why that exists. Wherever money flows, opportunists will try and jump in, and that's going to be true like as long as we're under capitalism, right? So it's like and and even like yeah. even if there is a, a sea change in the economic base of the United States, it'll still be there'll still be opportunists. So that's why like in terms of like it's just like any kind of anti uh, authoritarian, anti capitalist, anti whatever organizing, you have to watch out for the way that the hegemony that the 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 social structures that you're fighting against will work their way into your organizations. And wherever exactly. there is money, even if that money is being used for something good. There will be at least one person who's thinking that money should end up in my bank account. Right. And this is, I think, maybe my favorite critique of like radical unionization is that it still is kind of conservative in the way that it is kind of within uh, like the capitalist framework. And I do think that there are ways outside of the capitalist framework to do contracts, to abolish money and do all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, it's a matter of like, are there material conditions for it in the United States? Like, we have to work with what we've got right now, but we also have to remember that we can't just be satisfied with something that maintains some kind of benefit for ourselves or for our community. We have to always be trying to make gains for the working class and for oppressed peoples of all types. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, I think that that is the limitation. Like, It's such a great way to organize people, to get actions moving, to actually create change. Mm-hmm. And is, is union and labor efforts, the solidarity that comes with uh, class consciousness. And I, I just know, I do know that like it does have its limits when you don't extend it to doing things like create these unions like need to create programs to feed people to house people yeah. to basically ab- abolish private property to, to do all of these really important things that will actually liberate everyone. Um, I mean, I don't want to get way too deep in, in like, like v- 
anarchist rhetoric or whatever. Well, no, I mean, we could we, we could spend an hour being like <laughs> unions should just amass enough uh, capital to take over the factory and, uh, you know, run their own commune in place and, and be horizontally organized and develop yeah, production absolutely. chains and logistics chains and, and learn to work with one another. And hor- I mean, like there's a million fucking ways that you can describe what would be the best thing to do like two stages of material advancement from now. But it's really fun to think about those things because the spot that we're stuck at is such a tough sticking point. And what we really need is what's going to get us from here to having the opportunity to think about things like that in a realistic way. Yeah. Yeah. And you maybe we yeah. This is another thing I, I think we I want to table just because I like yeah. you know we table baseball we can table um like theoretical anarchism, um and <laughs> welcome and to we the can table talk about hour. It. All we do on this <laughs> show, folks, is we table stuff. We get into the weeds and then we say, "Wow, we're out in the weeds. Let's table this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think that we need to move to another thing. It's like literally, well, not, we're not really moving to anything different because this is still in education. Yeah, this is very this related. Is, I mean, this is upper upper education but um we have more authorized strikes and uh, this is specifically of maintenance workers at uh columbia college in oh in um columbia college in where the fuck is columbia college hold on oh wait is this columbia college or columbia university or is at columbia college yeah it's in new york so then so, yeah an authorized strike of of Workers at Columbia College in New York City. Columbia University. Columbia. I. Columbia. I don't Columbia know why University? the article calls it Columbia College because that's in Chicago. Columbia University is in New York. Colum- okay. Columbia College is in Columbia, Missouri. I don't know. There's so many Columbia things. There's a million yeah. of them. <laughs> well, anyway, TWU local two forty one. There we go. Hell that's yeah. nice and nice and specific. There we go. Um, so basically, the union um, at this college is saying that the college wants workers to pay about $3,000 a year more in health insurance premiums and deductibles for an average family of four. And that's what they did to those nurses that went on strike from the last episode. Yep. And then this comes hot on the heels of one of their maintenance workers, Aramis Palma, actually contracting COVID-19 at work with severe symptoms. Uh, And he recovered thanks to support from his union and his, his, uh, medical insurance was able to pay all of it off. Um, but now union negotiations are hitting a deadlock because all these maintenance workers are on high alert. They're like, look, it's really, really unsafe for us to come back. Um, and they're saying that, uh, they should try to help us out more. So we should want to go to work and clean up and do everything that no one else wants to, because at the end of the day, everyone is working scared. And this has just become a major, major sticking point uh, for them, especially now that they've been working with modified schedules in response to uh, COVID, which probably means I, early mornings and late nights. Yeah, I can really, um, I think that like most people right now can speak to working scared. And that's not yeah. really a foreign concept to anyone. I mean, like when you are, especially if you take this um, this pandemic seriously, you're literally watching people get infected. Like your, your brain, you're, you see someone interact like and and you're like you're like, you're doing the um you've seen the videos or diagrams of of like germs being spread through the air and you literally like your mind visualizes like <laughs> like these things happening to the people around you and you're just like that's an infection yeah. this is my where i am right now is unsafe 
Yeah. Well, I mean, like, and it's happening to fucking everybody. Like, I was just on Twitter today, and I saw something from Christopher Cross, you know, the guy who wrote Sailing. And uh, he was like, I recovered from COVID-19, but it gave me, it act, or it uh, activated or like, or, or, or made worse, Ghislaine Barr syndrome. And so now he has like partial paralysis and it'll be like over a year before he can fully recover with consistent physical therapy and shit. And this is like, wow. you know, this is a pretty high profile guy. He's like famous. He has a decent amount of money. I can't imagine what it would be like if you were just like a regular person paycheck to paycheck making ends meet, but just barely. And, and you ended up with Ghislaine Barr syndrome and you weren't able to go work at your job and you weren't able to support your family anymore. Like, my God, how would you get by? That's the thing is like these, it's not important to the powers that be. They like, that's, that's an expendable person. And yeah. I mean, and this, another thing is like that, per, the person who's going to end up in that situation probably doesn't have a union. They might even be someone who is already disabled and already being severely disenfranchised yep. by the fact that they're not being taken care of. Yeah. Well, and like a lot of people, if you, if you're high risk for this kind of thing, like, like I said about the teachers, like teaching is a lifetime profession. If you're a teacher, you might be older. If you work in maintenance, you might already have breathed in like a lot of chemicals and dust and shit. You might have some damage to your lungs that other people don't have. Like, or let's just say you have some other kind of condition that might be triggered or inflamed or catalyzed or whatever by contracting another virus. Like you could have autoimmune responses, you could have organs shut down, all kinds of like crazy shit could happen. And like, it's not hard to empathize with these people who are like, look, all I do is clean a college. Is it really worth it for me if you're not even going to pay me and you're going to make me pay higher health insurance premiums to even come in and do the work. Like my job, for instance, I sit in a parking lot and do fucking nothing. I occasionally guide people into spaces. And even then I'm like, is it even worth it for me to be down here? Like this just puts me a lot closer to other human beings than I would ever otherwise be unless I went to a grocery store. It's crazy. Yeah. And it looks like they uh, have actually a basically approved to they're approved to strike because their contract is expiring right so i think that uh there's a small chance that they won't go on strike especially if their uh demands are met uh i think that they are probably looking for more consistent schedules probably better ppe like literally just the same things that all these workers like it's crazy how everybody's fighting for the exact same stuff right now yeah well and it's also like to not have your medical premiums raised three thousand dollars a year like you think about it like a lot of people don't even clear thirty thousand dollars a year so three thousand dollars a year is over ten percent of their income almost all the time Oh yeah, and the amount of that people spend on healthcare here. I mean, like that's that's just their premium. That's not talking about meeting their deductible, not talking about their right. their uh what do you call it? Where um their um cost sharing. The the cost sharing in general that is associated with insurance plans because they don't want you to have healthcare. They want you to earn health. They want you something. to feel precarious. They want you to feel like you need to stay with them to keep getting healthcare. Like for years, that was how Starbucks made me feel. Even though Starbucks is a abusive and horrible job, it was like, where else am I going to go? That's going to pay me $12 an hour and actually give me healthcare. 
Yeah, well, that's the thing is like I I I know that I'm sure so many people feel this. Like, where am I going to get twelve dollars an hour? Yeah, I know, that's, right? That's a terrible thought. Yeah, yeah. Like I I was thinking that like when when I got as I was also working there, I I started at twelve dollars an hour as like a manager, and I was just like, wait, so what is everyone else getting? Oh paid? yeah, as a shift supervisor. Because when I got first hired yeah. on, oh it, yeah, I'm not a manager because I I definitely did not have hiring and firing. No, power. I mean that's that's like the classic thing that Starbucks does. But yeah, like I got hired on as a barista back in like. God, I don't even know, 2012, 2011, something like that. And I think I was making 925 and I had good benefits, but I was making 925 plus tips, which is really not enough to properly get by, especially when you're only working 30 to 35 hours a week. I think that I was around you a bit during that time. You were not really a very happy person. I was doing very with- poorly. Yeah, I was not doing well. <laughs> Things were bad. Yeah. And it's like, even with greatly reduced living costs, like living with two roommates in a $600 a month At one point, place, three. Yeah. D- it still like didn't even really help that much. I was always scrambling for cash. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and like that's not unheard of. And I think that our rent situation was better. Than, than what a lot of other we people were getting would run a into. great deal on that's the thing like there were a few resources that we were able to pull on that managed to get us better deals and and lower our costs and like that's the thing that I think about is it's like other people a lot of other people don't have that and a lot of other people have kids on top of all that other shit yeah yeah I still actually ran out of money living in yep. in that area yep. like I I had, that's why I live back in West Michigan again. No, I'm thinking about because, moving to West Michigan because it's so much fucking cheaper there. Yeah. Anyway. 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 Let's table that. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, yeah. Uh, you, yeah, solidarity with anybody who has to clean any university or work in any kind of school environment, but especially uh, these maintenance workers and these teachers that we talked about today, because these kind of labor actions in the face of the pandemic and in the face of the conditions that we're seeing right now in the United States is is really like a shining beacon of, of hope that there is still a... a a radical labor potential in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that very nicely like brings us into our, the final article that we're going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. This is about, um, a union leader, um, probably actually doing something good. I know that we kind of shit on union leaders a little bit, (laughs) um, especially with the way that they've been acting lately and not actually, uh, supporting the workers. Like the workers are doing kick-ass jobs. They're, uh, you know, facing terrible situations and doing their best with it. Uh, but uh, this is one where we're talking about um, basically mandating masks. Yeah. And like, and like putting people in place and like what there's even some, there, we're going to get some critiques in here, even of the way that it's meant to be implemented, but like, like basically demanding that everyone wear a mask. Yeah. Like creating a mask mandate, which is like most countries, right now have a mask mandate or did during the height of their coronavirus problems. A lot of them had the mask mandate and then now don't need it because as long as they don't allow international travel, they've basically made themselves safe from COVID. Right. But uh, now, we didn't do that even by uh, not even fucking close. Uh, we're doing the worst we have in the states whole world. states that don't even have it. We still have states that 20 don't have out of th- 20 out of 50 states in the United States do not have any kind of statewide mask mandate. Uh, and only a few of the really big retailers are implementing corporate policies. And you know corporate policies are 
barely fucking enforced because who's going to enforce them a $10 an hour cashier. It's not worth the fucking money to them to go and tell somebody you can't come in here without wearing a mask when they might get fucking stabbed or shot, which has happened so many times since this bullshit started. Yeah. The, and this is the thing is like, well, how I mean, I have to tell people to wear masks all the time. Right. I don't think that I can go a day without telling people to put on their masks. Right. Like what the hell? Like they, we're talking about like literally the chance of killing someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. How, 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 how ridiculous is it that like people are not taking this seriously? Like that we have an entire culture of people who are like proud of not taking it seriously. Right. Well, and here's the thing. So Stuart Applebaum, president of retail, wholesale and department store union says that workers are being unfairly turned oh, into RWDSU. Yeah. I actually know that. They're pretty good, huh? <laughs> he says they're, the workers are being unfairly turned into mask police and being forced to deal with belligerent and sometimes violent customers. The solution, the union is saying, is to hire security staff to deal with this, which I have some criticisms of right off the bat. I think it's good to get more workers in. I, I'm gonna, before you get to your criticism, because I love what you, because you've already told me one or two yeah. of them, but I do want to, I want to be like, so it's great. We need more workers. Like, that's great. Yes. This is a great thing to do. Um, I, I would love to also like have people strong arm people into wearing masks. Yeah. I think that that's awesome. Well, and here's the but thing I, like, yeah, you're, I, I want to hear your critiques because I know that they're really on the point. fucking, the thing about security staff is they are kind of just like aspirational cops a lot of the time right so and then of course what happens is then if you have some kind of security staff and they're not able to handle somebody who's not wearing a mask then they call the police and then you have the police down there nobody wants the fucking police coming down to their store their workplace the place that they're shopping whatever so it sucks that this has to be backed by the kind of institutions that already exist in the united states i don't like that i do like the idea that we need some kind of way for workers to feel safe in their workplaces and feel empowered that, you know, some kind of crazy anti-mask psycho is not going to come in and make the workplace incredibly dangerous for everybody who's there. Um, but yeah, this is what I was saying is like, those people are like most likely the, the disease, they're the virus vectors. Right. They, they are the, like, whenever someone asks me, Oh, do I have to wear a mask? I'm way more likely to say yes than like if someone's like, hey, if I'm way over by myself, can I do this because I'm going to take a photo or whatever? Right, right. And like, like that's that's not the same thing. But if people ask if they have to wear a mask, I immediately assume they have tried to circumvent this in other places. They've put themselves at risk and they're trying to put me and the other guests at risk. That's right. That's right. I mean, if you're some kind of crazy anti-mask person, you probably have COVID. <laughs> like you probably just do. You go in everywhere without a mask, like, like making, instead of truck rants, you're just making like, take that liberal snowflakes. I licked a bus stop. It's like, yeah, dude, you definitely without a doubt, 100% have COVID right now. And I, you just can't be bringing that crazy and that virus into like this target or this Starbucks or this fucking, you know, what, wherever the fuck we are. And like, yeah. And I don't know it, it, because of like our culture of, of like, of, of customer service, you can't tell those people to fuck off. No. Like, cause that's exactly what you should be able to do. Like as soon as someone is like, maybe even like, I wouldn't say they're like to the point of pretending to cough on people or anything like that. But as soon as they start like throwing a fit about whether or not they have to wear a ma- wear a mask, like I am ready to just tell them to fuck off. Yeah, that's at the point where you're just like, "Fuck you, buddy, get out!" Like they, that kind of behavior is unacceptable. You can try again when COVID is over, and like that's the other thing. Like I just think a lot of these places. 
like the best way to keep the employees safe would be to not even worry about security and just not open the store. You know, if it's not a grocery store, (laughs) if it's not an essential service, like just don't fucking open it. Like, I don't know how hard that is. Like, and, and like if the government really see, but that's the thing is like, it's always like, Oh, but now I have to get the government to care about this kind of thing. I need mandates in place. I need legislative actions in place. Cause it's like, what am I going to do? Go collect signatures from every small and medium sized business well, owner across my I region. Think, oh, they all vowed to close. Ideally. I mean, like if we were talking to our fellow revolutionaries, they say, this is a perfect opportunity to tr- try to do mutual aid and create dual power. And so that we have institutions yeah. that are actually there to support people so that they can stay home so that their needs can be met. And because like the, the government, you're, we're, we're right here they're not going to do anything to actually make sure that anyone's safe, that they don't have to go to work, that they're not going to end up in these terrible situations. And and I think that this is a great opportunity to plug revolutionary activity. Yeah. Because, like, there's not going to be legislation that comes down that puts UBI in place. We're not going to get some magic COVID bucks. I mean, Canada wants, like, poor people to pay back their COVID bucks. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, like, this. <laughs> I, I think that we need to take more seriously what we want done because this is, this is one of the reasons why we're, we're doing this labor show is because we're talking about collective action and solidarity amongst working and, and just like people. Yeah. And, and how, how are we going to do this? Like, I, I love the idea of having a mask mandate to like say that this needs to be some, this is the way that we are in society and so that we are safer. But like you said, we should close the fucking store. Yeah. I mean, my God, we should just be, I I just, we should stop caring about the economy. The economy is made up. It's fake. We can turn it off and back on again and it will work. It will help a lot actually. Like just treat it like a computer. Like it's, it's fine. It's, it's just a bunch of lines and numbers that don't really mean anything and are backed by a bunch of fake shit and are not worth sacrificing lives to keep running the same way they are. I remember when we were in early lockdown and I'm like, and I'm feeling this. I'm like, wow, everything is shut down. This feels good. It feels like we're actually going to make progress. People are going to realize that this can yeah. be a thing that we do. And the thing is, is that there was just so much rhetoric around quote unquote reopening, whatever other bullshit that the capitalist class wants in order to, uh, in order to keep going like that all it brainwashed people into thinking, Oh no, we have to, we also have to make line go up. This, this is our responsibility. And, and what they did was they did that. They made other people believe that by keeping them from having food, keeping them from being able to pay their rent. I mean, how many evictions are going to be served? How many? 30 million. I think the same amount that was over the entire, um, housing crisis that was like, nine years long or something like that all basically like now it's the second we're recording this on the second the evictions are happening yeah you're gonna see way more homeless people out there on the street than you ever have in your whole life yep without a doubt and there's going to be a lot of people who refuse to get out of buildings. There's going to be a lot more tenants unions picking up steam. Like if you really want to know, maybe we should do an episode that's just about tenant organizing because that's going to be real fucking yeah, important I, here in a second. We'll have to find some, well, I'm sure we can find some. Yeah. We, got, we got some good. I'm connects, no expert but. on it, but we could get an expert on it. Um, yeah. Just cause like things are going to continue to ripple out and get crazier right now. But uh, it's yeah. getting towards the top of the hour, the end of the hour here. So we'll table one final yeah. thing and move on to our meme review folks. Uh, just a little lighthearted bullshit okay. for you. <laughs> yeah. 
I actually wanted to, um, I realized that this isn't in our meme review, uh, but we were talking about uh, popular people uh, being affected by COVID. And I want to just bring up Herman Cain real quick before <laughs> we actually get into the actual <laughs> meme review. Yeah, let's hash it he, out about Herman Cain. He, he died. Yeah, he because go, he gone. <laughs> Crabrave.mp3. <laughs> I I just like I you you've seen so many of these uh people who are just like, oh, I'm such a vehement anti-masker, and then then it's like, oh, and they died. They, and I love to seeing these right next they're right next to each other. This is literally like people are a lot of people pointing that it was Trump's uh Tulsa. Yep. Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, uh, rally that was basically what killed Herman Cain, which was, I think that because that was originally like pretty controversial because it was based in like a kind of a racist history. Yeah. Well, and they were also uh, saying like, it's going to sure. be one of these big events where nobody has to wear a mask folks. It's going to be fine. I won't be wearing a mask. Vice president Pence won't be wearing a mask either. And then Herman Cain got on Twitter and thanked Donald Trump for his bravery to host an event without masks, went to the event contracted COVID and died and after died. fighting it for a month, which is just like, like I, I don't, I don't, I really don't like, like, like laughing. I don't want to just but cheer but on a person's death. But yeah, Herman Cain was such a piece of shit. And like, just like, I don't know. I grew up reading the Darwin awards and even though they're kind of horrible in their own way, like if there's anybody who deserves a, like, uh, or like, I don't know, uh, right wing slogans, like play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Like this is a stupid game. <laughs> and that was a truly stupid prize to win. And I, there's just not a part of my brain that can manage to feel sorry for Herman Cain without being like, yeah, yeah. you did it to yourself, bud. Like <laughs> you right. just did. Yeah. So I just, I, like I said, not officially in our meme review, but I wanted to bring it in there. Well, speaking of uh, things that are officially in the meme review, I was, I did some digging. Somebody, I think in the beep beep group on Facebook shared uh, a meme from Joe Jorgensen's dank meme stash. Folks, if you don't know, George, Joe Jorgensen <laughs> is the libertarian candidate for president. And I thought yeah. it'd be fun if she's, we just... She's really not that great. She's terrible. She has a couple of good takes that she has been very staunchly promoting and then is mostly just absolute trash beyond that. And everybody in her meme group, meme group is posting memes like motherfucking crazy. Folks, the libertarians are energized right now it's to the point where they, they are. are accidentally making some good points. Like here, they've got a portrait of Malcolm X and above it, it says that white person you see calling himself a liberal is the most dangerous thing in the entire Western hemisphere. And I'm like, okay, good. Yeah. The, right. The, the, but the caption, but the caption, hold on. It, yeah. it says, don't vote for puppets, vote libertarian. Vote libertarian. These, these are literally like capitalist shills. Yeah. The, the, the people who originally pushed the, the libertarian party were like, like, I don't want to like do like stoop so low as to say they're just like Coke like bootlickers, but I mean, well, a lot of them are, are Milton Friedman, police bootlickers, Murray Rothbard bootlickers instead of Coke bootlickers, yeah. but it amounts to the same fucking bullshit. And then, uh, you know, notably Malcolm X was a devoted socialist, uh, pretty fucking, right. pretty much as far from the quote unquote libertarians as you can get. Um, and then, but it's like, again, they keep accidentally making good points. Like here they have a CAPTCHA style image where it says like, you know, it would tell you like, select all the images the that Jimmy have cars. Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, uh, Donald Trump, Barack Melania, Obama, Barack Obama, yeah. Michelle Obama. And it says, Who's this guy in the bottom looks, looks like George Bush, but I'm pretty yeah, sure that's, it's not George that's Bush. That's George Bush. Yeah. 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 
Oh, okay. That's George Bush Jr. Yeah, he just is aging poorly. And it says, uh, <laughs> select all squares with a politician who kept the U.S. in endless wars, dropped bombs on innocent children overseas, and sold out the American people to banks, corporations, and the military-industrial complex. And then it just has Absolutely. every single square selected, which I agree with, but... But I'm pretty sure that, that, that they're, they're using that as a platform to say, vote libertarian. Yeah, vote libertarian. Not, not like vote for the socialist party. Yeah. What if vote instead of selling the out the PSL United or States, the Green Party. instead of selling out the United States to the military industrial complex, what if it just was a military industrial complex? That would be right. better, right? I mean, like, is the are they going? Are they really going on an anti-imperialist, like a strict, like really hard anti-imperialist platform? I don't. I don't know. Well, that is one thing that I will give libertarians credit for is they do seem to be very sincerely anti-war. I don't know if they're anti-imperialist. Anti- no, that's yeah, they're yeah. not anti-imperial. The economic imperialism they have no problem with, but out-and-out yeah, military sanctions conflict. Are good. Sanctions are good to them, but out-and-out <laughs> military conflict is bad. Which is like, right? Okay, that's better than your average like conservative or donut Twitter take, but it's still nothing yeah, special, right? I and then what we have um, a X Men. Meme? Oh yeah, it's, and it's just it's the one with the two people like, kissing, and then Wolverine is standing in the front in the second doing panel. A PSA. Yeah, and it's like the PSA thing, and it says this could be you. You could actually get laid if you put a Jorgensen Cohen twenty twenty banner on your profile pic. <laughs> right, like as if as if like somehow like people are attracted to libertarians. For one, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you, like you're not attractive to anyone based on your political beliefs. Yeah, libertarianism like, like, has never been sexy. There's nobody who's like, I am into libertarian guys. I mean, there's definitely libertarian <laughs> guys who are like, I'm into libertarian girls because they think that they might meet one eventually, but I just don't think oh, they ever right. will. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that like a lot of people will not date people because of things, but I don't think that they go exclusively for dating people because they do believe in things. Like that's like <laughs> if a dude says he's a feminist, that doesn't make him attractive. Yeah. Well, actually, um, I believe the old <laughs> trucker slang hot to trot was actually a description of being horny for Trotskyists. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that's correct. I, you know what? I, if it isn't, then I think that we should go with it. I mean, they're all teamsters, right? They're, they gotta be at least a little radicalized. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> And then we have one final one that is just like the most confusing of them all. Uh, it's, oh, it, it's the guy yeah. misidentifying a butterfly meme. You know the one I'm talking about, the anime. And the butterfly says, uh, or the guy is labeled as ignorant red voters, Republican voters. That's a Republican, yeah. yeah. And then the, the butterfly says, literally anything that doesn't conform to their beliefs and sounds scary. And then it says, is this communism? Which is like Jorgensen. I could Cohen, and then it's, it's stamped with Jorgensen Cohen twenty twenty, which makes no sense. That's, I could see this being thing. a liberal meme who's like, not everything liberal is communism. I could see this being a communist meme that's like, not everything that they don't like stop is communism. Being red scare. Yeah, stop being red scare. Communism is actually a good thing that's different from what you're describing. But to think of the kind of libertarian that would have made this meme especially considering libertarians are like the very first people to look at something they don't like and be like, that's communism. I just, I can't wrap my fucking head around it. Yeah. I'm actually, I was really struggling and you put that in there and I'm just like, but they're not 
communists. The fact that they, they're, they're like, if anything, they're they're like they would believe in some sort of like bottoms solidarity in the political spectrum. Uh, like you know, like libertarian oh, communists yeah. and and ancaps should work together to create an anarchist society. And I've heard that I've, like, you see that from time I, to time. But all every but every like libertarian socialist and anarcho communist in the replies is like fuck you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and then like anything that's like communist related is generally like left solidarity. Yeah, I mean. So, that's the, that's like, the real project is trying to get people who consider themselves different points along the anti-authoritarian axis all the way to the left um, to get working together, which is its own difficult bullshit. But the idea yeah. of like working with the ANCAPs against authority, like it's just such a nonsensical axis of politics. It barely makes yeah. sense when you're using it on the right or on the left in isolation to be like, we should reach out to our anti. I know it just I'm sorry. is so stupid. I, like, like I always say I'm anti-capitalist first, right? I'm an anarchist second and I'm a communist third. Yeah. Like that's, that's how it goes. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I would say basically the same thing. I just like whatever breaks this system down and puts something reasonably better yeah. in place, whatever the better plan. I I'm open to ideas for what the best plan is, but, uh, it needs to be a plan that does that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we do have one last meme to review, which is actually a reference to Donald Trump banning TikTok. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. So a lot uh, of people have been like in my replies when I posted about it, saying like it's actually good that we're banning TikTok because they uh, steal a lot of information and they can maliciously run executable files on your phone or whatever. And it's like you don't think Google, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft all of them aren't already doing that shit. <laughs> They're literally all, it's like an oligopoly. Like we don't have, like we're not, we don't have any actual like rights in these systems. They sell our data and they like, so I mean, I think maybe, so Andrew Yang sucks. Let's start there. <laughs> but it like the one thing he did say is that like, you should own your data. Like the thing is like all these corporations basically stealing all this shit. Yeah. Like this, the, this is another form of oligopoly where they have like literally created systems to exploit the proletariat the working class absolutely and uh and i and i and that's the only good take andrew yang ever had um but (laughs) but the meme here is it's the spice girls and it says if you want to steal my data you got to be a u.s corp based corporation uh, right, because Google's good. Yeah, Google's Facebook's good. good. Well, the, the, Amazon good. They're not using our data for anything <laughs> malicious. Okay, these Chinese state-operated companies, such as TikTok and Huawei, cannot be trusted because um, reasons. Anyway, follow my Twitch stream. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, follow my <laughs> Twitch stream. Anyway, buy my patriotic gear that I sell on Twitter that tells you not to mess with a man who was born in January and rides lawnmowers competitively or some bullshit. yeah uh actually i think what you should do is you should support our patreon at patreon.com slash work stoppage and uh we've actually got some uh good subscribers in there we get another episode uh basically an episode every week yep i know that the uh We've already got the episode next week planned out. I'm pretty excited for it. I think that if I give a little preview, I think it's about uh, organizing gig workers. So if you're interested in that, it's going to be pretty cool. Um, But... Uh, and I mean, maybe don't quote me on that. I'm still, I guess it's, it's, it's partially together. Big but. things are in the works, folks. It's going to be, yeah. uh, think of it like fire festival, but good. You don't know what's going to happen. 
but it will be a good thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, thanks so much for listening to Work Stoppage. Um, follow me at Solidarity B, John at Facebook Villain on Twitter. Uh, give us a uh, a review and a five a five star review on the uh, Apple I, I, iTunes podcast. Apple Podcast, whatever the fuck it's called now. Apple yeah. Podcasts. That's right. <laughs> It just shows how much I know this stuff. I'm doing my best. (laughs) Thank, Thank you all. And we will talk to you next time. Stay sane out there. Keep organizing. Oh, the canvas can do miracles Just you wait and